Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Right now, I want to welcome to the program Dr. Ashley Lucas. She is the founder and owner of PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition. If you've been listening to this program for the last two years, you know that that is the uh, program that I endorse and I was on and I, uh, well, I'm a lifelong member, uh, and I let go of more than 90 pounds on this program. But I wanted to bring Dr. Lucas on because uh, there's a new chapter uh, that's opening. Dr. Lucas, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Pete. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing great as well. And so thank you uh, for the program <laughs> that you developed. Uh, it's life- and congratulations. Yeah, you. thank you. It's a, it's life-changing. I'm trying to think, uh, is, like, besides my wife and my mom, you may be the most influential woman uh, in my life. So, uh, because, Aww, well, that's, that's true. So um, tell us first uh, why, you, uh, why you launched this program, how you kind of got into this line of work, because you were... Uh, you had your dream set on being a, a dancer, right? I did, yes. Yeah, you know, I, w- I trained as a professional ballet dancer, and I did dance professionally until my mid-20s. And, you know, that sport is, is difficult, and it has a lot of aesthetic demands. And I could never meet my body weight goals despite counting calories like crazy and exercising like wild. I was still told I was fat countless times. And as a result of restricting calories and avoiding red meat and doing all the things that I was told to do and thought that I should do, I was injured. And, you know, the end of my dancing career, I I landed in New York, which is every dancer's dream. And I should have been in these spotlight once-in-a-lifetime performances, but instead of that, I found myself in the ER And I had no idea what was going on. And after a whole bunch of tests, the neurologist said that I was simply underfed and over-exercised and that I had to quit. And, I mean, it might not sound like a big deal, but to me it was 20-plus years of struggle and sacrifice. It's equivalent to Michael Phelps being at the starting line at the pool and them carting him off to the ER instead. But you did everything that they wanted you to do, right? Your trainers were telling you you were following all of this so-called professional advice. That's right. Yep. Everything that we all try to do to drop weight, I was doing. But I, I knew that it didn't work for me. So I went back to school and I earned my PhD in sports nutrition and chronic disease and became a registered dietitian because I wanted to study how do we drop weight without shutting down our metabolism and injuring our body? How do we do it also from a mental and emotional state that is healthy and supports long-term change? Because we know that 80% of dropping weight does come from the mind. So I knew that we had to tackle that. And then I also understood that during my dietetic internship, I was taught the same stuff. It's about eating less calories. It's about eating more, eat everything in moderation. And I knew it didn't work for me. So I really flipped everything I learned upside down and took my research and created what we now call the PhD approach. And and I just love it because we're able to help so many people who have tried everything in the past actually be able to see success. So it's very fulfilling and rewarding for me. 
So after, so you, I'm going to ask you a little bit how, about building the business, but you, uh, you launched a YouTube uh, show uh, a couple months mm-hmm. back, and I've watched uh, several of the episodes. It's just very informal. You're kind of like hanging out at your, is that your house that you're at where, they, where the videos it, are shot? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So you're just kind of hanging out and you're just talking, uh, you know, going through like, here's some of the, uh, some of the rules and some of the tips and that sort of thing. Uh, but now you are, you're taking another step into a different area. And what is that? Yeah, so I found that the YouTube channel's been really great, and I'm continuing with it, but a lot of people are driving, and they don't have time to just sit down and watch a video. So I wanted to be able to share this information on all platforms so that people can listen to it wherever they might be and not have to watch it. And and it really is, just like you said, a lot of information on, on nutrition and the tools associated with dropping weight and just improving overall health and supporting longevity. I talk about brain health. I talk about, you know, how to overcome cravings, all the different tools that are out there, like intermittent fasting. And then I spend quite a bit of time on mindset because that really does have a significant impact on us. And I just want to create a community and serve people who are ready to step up and take control of their health like you did. And so the podcast launches today, and it's called the Dr. Ashley, sorry? Yep, the Dr. Ashley Show. Dr. Ashley Show, and it's on all of the platforms. You can download it. I assume it's free. It is. Okay. Um, And so once, yeah, so once you you download it, it comes right to your smartphone or tablet. Um, One of the things that that you said, uh, and it's in the material, and it's one of the questions that I get the most, and so I'll throw it to you, which is this idea that, um, that it's not your fault. And when you tell people that, that it's, you know, that the weight gain and and this and your inability to drop the weight, that it's it's not your fault. And people I get pushback on that. I'm sure you do as well. So what do you say in response to that? Well, I don't think most people understand why we get fat. You're you're not getting fat because you're eating. You're eating because you're getting fat. It's a different perspective. And look at to how the metabolism works when you start to gain this fat specifically in the belly. This belly fat is a different beast. It's not like the fat throughout the rest of the body. It's different. It grows its own blood vessels. It gets a little oxygen supply. And these fat cells we now know secrete hormones. They're active in there and they make you hungry. And the hormones that they secrete make you crave foods that overcome any kind of willpower you might be trying to exert. They make you lazy because the last thing this, this hungry fat mass in your belly wants you to do is go expend a ton of energy. And it slows your metabolism, so you really don't have to eat that much food and you will continue to witness fat gain. So if we've got this tumor-like thing in there, I want you to imagine that it's like a beast. It, it has its own demands and urges and cravings. If you're living with that in your body, then... The food that you eat is driven by this fat mass, and the way that it's stored is also driven by it as well. So that's what I mean by saying that the weight gain isn't your fault. It's driven by this this fat that just wants to get fatter as fast as possible. And that's the visceral fat, right? Yeah, that's the visceral belly fat. Um, let me shift gears and ask you about the the journey you've been on in building a business. Have you ever have you ever started your own business before? Or is this the first attempt? This is the first attempt. Well, good job. <laughs> it's uh, uh, very successful. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, what have you learned um, as being, you know, in business for yourself and launching this um, this enterprise? Uh, what have you learned? Oh my gosh, I've learned so much. I've learned so much about myself. I've learned so much about others. 
Um, and really, it's always been about serving other people. And I just want people to know that they can succeed and feel empowered. And I want to be a part of that journey. I think for me, my, my whole mission and purpose on this planet is to empower people and to help heal people and to lead others. And I get to do that through all of this. I'm, I'm leading a team of 70 of the most amazing, compassionate people in the field of nutrition and wellness and customer service. They're an unbelievable team of A players, and I couldn't obviously do any of this without them. And then I get to lead all of our clients through health transformation. Um, and I just love it. And I think if you know, we always have service in our mind. We care to our core. We're we're linked with a burning desire to help people live the best life possible. Then, um, you know, hopefully there's there's continued good things to come for all those we can impact. When I started a business, uh, it was a podcast business. This was several years ago. I said that there was a uh, there was like a switch that flipped. I'd always worked for somebody else, and it, all of a sudden, I started looking at everything differently when, it, it, like, when I was responsible for all of the decisions. You know, it's just, and I don't know any other way to describe it. It's just all of a sudden, I had, I, I, I was more focused, I had more energy, and I like, I would get stuff done. Whereas in the past, I was kind of like, well, I'll get around to it, you know. But now it's like I got to get this done so I can go do these other things too. I don't, and I don't know a better way to describe it. Do you ever? Do, do you think differently now? than you did maybe before? Well, I mean, it was difficult because with dancing, that's really what I did before, and it was such a passion of mine, and I was driven for that and specific goals. So so I feel like I've taken everything that I had in that sport as a professional athlete, and I've just moved it into this that I now have more passion, and because it's more than just me. It's about all of the people and the team of PhD and the thousands of clients that we're serving. And I know that people's health is on the line. So yeah, I do take it seriously. Um, and, and I take leading people seriously as well. So I, I really think I've taken everything that I learned and it was just a stepping stone for me. Yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to add that you think is important or interesting to note before we let you go? Gosh, I would just say that people ask me, what does it take to drop the weight? And I always say that it's just a stronger desire to change than to stay the same. And people also say, gosh, you know, I've just failed in the past. I've done everything. There's just no hope. I know a lot of people are resorting to these injections and drugs because they don't think that there's another option. And I just want folks to know that there is another option. And if they want to make change, they can do it simply because they have the desire within themselves. And that if they failed in the past, then it, it was just a part of their journey. And it's likely that that method wasn't a great nutritionally sound method and didn't tackle the mindset as well. And to try again, like all that matters is that you get back up on the horse and you try again and really reach out for success. So and, and get support and accountability. Don't have this feeling that you've got to do it on your own or that you failed if you can't do it on your own because weight loss is so complicated. Oh my gosh, it's so much more complicated than we've been told. So I just I just want to offer a sense of hope for those who have struggled for a long time. Dr. Ashley Lucas, the founder and owner of PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition. Check out the podcast, get it, subscribe. It's called The Dr. Ashley Show, and you can find it on all the podcasting platforms, also on YouTube. She has her uh, YouTube channel there as well, and of course, myphdweightloss.com. 
Dr. Ashley, good to talk with you again. Thanks so much. Great to talk with you, Pete. Congratulations again. Thank you, and sincerely, thank Thank you. you. Oh, and before I forget, have you got your ticket to the Heritage Life Skills event yet? I'll be there. The annual event is put on by Carolina Readiness Supply, and you can learn all sorts of ways to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables. I'll be there Saturday evening. Check out the schedule at carolinareadiness.com. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness can help you. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Thanks again to Dr. Ashley Lucas for joining me. I appreciate it. I did get a tweet here from Mark who says... Pete, I went to Ph.D. from listening to your success, and I dropped 60 pounds. I was riding my bike close to 100 miles a week and was not able to lose weight like I wanted to. Dr. Lucas actually addressed this in one of her videos. Yeah, uh, people, they think it's all just, uh, oh, you know, eat less, move more. Eat less, move more. And look, yes, moving more, walking Doing exercise, that is all good from a heart health standpoint. Like Christy and I, we started walking, try to walk every morning. Um, so that's important. And in fact, walking is an important aspect of weight loss in that just because it moves uh, uh, your lymph around your lymphatic system, that fluid that's in your lymphatic system through the lymph nodes and all of that, and, and that helps in the weight loss also. I'm not a scientist. I don't know exactly how, but I've been told it helps. And so the more you walk the better that is for your lymphatic system because it doesn't have a pump. Your heart system has a pump, right? But your lymphatic system does not. So walking helps move that around, and that's a good thing. But if you think, like, what what often happens is people get on these, you know, like the the the, the, the bike or the elliptical, whatever, and they, they work out and they work out and they work out, and now your body starts burning this stuff. But if you don't change, and this happened to me years ago. I was like 30 years old. I was running, I was running five miles a day. Or sorry, three miles a day, five days a week. I was running a 5K five days a week. And I could not get below about 190 pounds. Couldn't get below it. And then I changed what I was eating and dropped another like 15 pounds. And then I moved out of my apartment building with the uh, with the workout center and treadmill and moved into a house. I had to renovate the kitchen and so I ripped that out. I was eating out all the time. And then I met Christy. We were going out to dinner. And, and my, uh, my <laughs> the pathway back to 200 was rapid. <laughs> but uh, no, it's been two years now since I was on uh, the, when I was doing the fat burn phase. And, uh, oh, I, I, I put on a little bit. I put on like 10 to 15 pounds, put it back on. But I know why. It's because I started, uh, I, I put some alcohol back in the diet. Now I'm, I, I, t- I cut it out. Now it's out. And so I'm going to make sure I'm like in, in, my, in my swimsuit weather before my vacation to the beach, you know? So, but that's the thing. Your metabolism, Brett Winterbull saw this when he went to Italy. Your metabolism gets so fired up. And that when you go off and you do eat poorly, and then you stop eating poorly, like when he went through Italy eating every pasta known to man. Once your body burns through that, then it's like you're already still eating the right way. And so it just it keeps going. The, the, the metabolism just fires right back up. So it's a lifelong change. Anyway, can't recommend it highly enough. You might want to sit down for this. 
You ready? All right. Apparently, and I was unaware of this, but apparently, home fitness is now right wing. This says that, yeah. If you've been working out at home, congratulations, you're a Nazi. I think that's, well, I mean, this is what Cynthia Miller Idris at MSNBC wrote. It appears the far right has taken advantage of pandemic at-home fitness trends to expand its decade-plus radicalization of physical mixed martial arts and combat sports spaces. Dare I say it? They pounced. They seized the opportunity, right? It appears they've taken advantage of pandemic at-home trend, at home fitness trends. Initially lured with health tips and strategies for positive physical changes, new recruits are later invited to closed chat groups where far-right content is shared. Oh, my God! I told you guys there's another side of the ledger. On the lockdowns, when you all closed the gyms, you angered some very strong people. <laughs> but no, you you closed the gyms down. You wouldn't let people walk around on the beach, right? You literally like arrested some surfboarder guy or surfer dude uh, out in California because they shut the beaches down, right? What did you think what did you think was going to happen? People like if you're looking for who radicalized fitness people against the left it was you lefties <laughs> it was you guys your little uh, tyrannical authoritarian streaks they just got the better of you. You know all of a sudden you got this little bit of power and you're just like lock everybody inside. Close the gyms. Keep the breweries open. We're okay with the breweries. Lock down the bars. No nightclubs, wineries. Yes, ABC stores totally stay open. Right? You guys did this. And I don't even trust like when she talks about uh, what she considers to be extremism and right wing and all this. Like I'm not even so sure. Look, I'm sure. I am sure. Look, I watched uh, American History X. I know that uh, the neo-Nazis work out. I watched Oz. They work out. I know this. Earlier this month, researchers reported that a network of online, quote, fascist fitness chat groups on the encrypted platform Telegram are recruiting and radicalizing young men with neo-Nazi and white supremacist extremist ideologies. Initially lured with health tips and strategies for positive physical changes, new recruits are later invited to closed chat groups where far-right content is shared. Hmm. Wait a minute. So hang on a second. So you're telling me that you can use an affinity group like uh, fitness. People who share an affinity for a particular thing, so they join a group, and it's an affinity group, right? You can use a group like that in order to advance certain political ideology? That's, 
you can hang on a second. We should come up with a word for this. Where like, where like you start teaching somebody and then uh, you know in, like uh, indoctrinating them into some of the ideas, introducing them, you know, educating them, coaxing them along the pathway. You know, kind of like I don't know, smoothing out the edges, making sure they look nice and and think the right way. Uh, There's a word for this, I'm sure. Physical fitness has always been a central, uh, has always been central to the far right. Wait, what? Physical fitness has always been central to the far right? Wait a minute. Have you seen some of the, some of the, the, the neo-Nazi skinhead people in like these marches and rallies and stuff? I'm not thinking fitness is what's really top of mind for some of them. I mean, hashtag not all neo-Nazis, right? Some of them, I think, yes, probably are very, very in, in, in shape. But not all of them are. Like, I've seen some of them. Um, in Mein Kampf, Hitler fixated on boxing and jujitsu, believing that they could help him create an army of millions whose aggressive spirit and impeccably trained bodies combined with fanatical love of the fatherland would do more for the German nation than any mediocre tactical weapons training. Well, apparently Cynthia Miller Idris is a Nazi lover because I've been assured that if you quote Nazis, then you are Nazis. That if you cite Hitler or Nazism or anything that they said or did, that that means you agree with them. No, no. That's what I learned from the Moms for Liberty thing. When Moms for Liberty quoted Hitler about the educating the youth thing, and hey, that's a warning, but all the leftists say no, they're quoting it because they love Hitler. Well, I think this is the same standard. So apparently, uh, MSNBC has employed as a columnist a Nazi. In more modern times, far-right groups have launched mixed martial arts and boxing gyms in Ukraine, Canada, and France, among other places, focused on training far-right nationalists in violent hand-to-hand combat and street fighting techniques. Is it coming? We don't know. I may be interrupted by a, gl- a blaring sound of an EAS emergency signal. I've just been told. And the light is flashing. I feel like I'm watching a nuclear warhead approaching. All right. Um, I'm not, that's not the EAS. No. But they may come down the line. We're just seeing it. We're seeing the blinking light. No, sorry. I'm reading this piece at uh, MSNBC by Cynthia Miller Idris, who is a Nazi, apparently, because she quoted Mein Kampf. And Hitler, who was fixated on boxing and jujitsu. That doesn't sound very Aryan, actually. Jujitsu? Why wouldn't you develop your own master race kind of MMA fighting style? Anyway, um, and these are the rules. Quoting something from Hitler as a warning means that you love Hitler and you're endorsing it. In fact, actually, and this was the Moms for Liberty standard that the left employed. Dennis Prager spoke at the Moms for Liberty event. And he addressed this. Take a listen to this. Mm, Let's see. Oh, yes. He alone who owns the youth guides the future. Adolf Hitler. So now this is this is classic because anyone who says Moms for Liberty is pro-Hitler or pro-Nazi because of that is a liar. No, no, that's very important. They're, They're not merely telling a lie. They are a liar. Everyone in history has told a lie, but not everyone is a liar. They are liars. 
That is what they do for a living. It is very important to understand something that I have said uh, to my listeners for decades. Truth is a conservative value and truth is a liberal value. Truth has never been a left-wing value. The left nowhere in history. You must understand my field of study was communism. There were seven students at Columbia who majored in communist studies. I was one of them. I went to every communist country in Eastern Europe except Albania because you were not allowed in because it was attached to Mao and China. I went to China. I went to, uh, I went to every East European and the Soviet Union. I learned Russian in order to read Pravda. I know the left like I know my family. So please understand this. There is no example in history of the left taking power and not lying. They always lie. If they write, they lie. If they speak, they lie. Because truth is not a left-wing value. It is a liberal value. The tragedy of America, in a nutshell, is that liberals do not vote their values. Conservatives vote their values. Leftists vote their values. Liberals do not. That is the great tragedy of the country. Liberals vote for the left. The left has nothing in common with liberals. But liberals are too cowardly to acknowledge the fact that they are closer to us than they are to the left. It is a matter, it's only cowardice. So, they lie. If quoting someone means you agree with them, then the left always agrees with me. <laughs> they quote me all the time. Does that make them followers of me or conservatism? I mean, it, it's, it, but it doesn't matter. There are people outside this, this, these doors who believe that you're pro-Nazi because of that quote. Your, the whole premise of the quote is, look, the most evil man in history said the following, and we're going along with that. That's the point of it. Not great for Hitler. <laughs> you owe no one any apology. Never apologize, right? Because you're dealing. With, uh, that's what I say. I ne I've never heard uh, Prager uh, say this before, but I've said this. This is my my rule number one on commies is that they lie. I mean, I, not for nothing. I mean, I didn't do all the Russian studies that he did, but I did have a couple of classes back in the college days. Poli sci. They lie. Commies lie. That's the point. Okay. Uh, back to this uh, this crazy person's uh, column at MSNBC. The intersection of extremism and fitness leans into a shared obsession with the male body, training, masculinity, testosterone, strength, and competition. <laughs> wow, just checking all the boxes there. Um, this shared obsession with the male body. Is there some sort of Venn diagram for Kamala Harris here on like gender identity or maybe sexual orientation, this obsession with the male form? Physical fitness training, especially in combat sports, appears, appeals to the far right for many reasons. Fighters are trained to accept significant physical pain to be warriors and to embrace messaging around solidarity and heroism and brotherhood. It's championed as a tool to help fight the, quote, coming race war and the street battles that will precede it. Recruits. So hang on a second. If this is her concern about narratives driving reactions and getting people in a certain mindset, I'm curious, does the narrative about systemic white supremacy inspire a similar fear among non-white people? 
Because I've seen some videos that are like Atlanta area where there's like a whole bunch of people training up like in an army kind of a deal. Is that is that concerning? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just wondering, do these standards apply to all of us? Oh, that's... Oh, I fa- thank you. The word is grooming. Grooming is the word. I knew there was a word for it. wonder if that'll get me banned on the podcast. All right, that's it for today. Stick around. Brett Winterbull's up next. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Thank <laughs> you.